Welcome back to another episode of Smarter Than the Average Bear. I'm your host, AJ, better known as Bear. And I just want to say thank you all for being back another week. Uh, we're another week into this thing. Got a, got a great episode for you all, but wanted to start this podcast out by just saying that um, if you can, please, wherever you uh, listen to this podcast, if you could uh, subscribe so that it comes directly to you. But also uh, rate and review the podcast. Um, It's just a great way to get some additional promotion for the podcast. uh, Hopefully pick up a few more um, ads to add in a little bit more revenue. And then also maybe, you know, just just strengthening the amount of people that are listening to the episodes. And we can start having some additional questions feed in from you guys. And and I can answer those for you uh, on the show. So. If you could, it takes maybe five seconds to do those things. Uh, I'd I'd really be grateful uh, for that. For that, and uh, yeah, so we'll get rolling for this week. Um, wanted to recap the picks that I made last week. Uh, did not fare too well. <laughs> so we're off to a rough start with the stab bets, but um, I'm sure we will be able to turn those around. Uh, recapping those picks. I was three for four in the college picks. Uh, the only one that I missed was the Kentucky over. I actually picked the under, and surprising to me, Kentucky found offense last week and ended up scoring into the the mid seventies and actually reached the over, which was one forty three. So that's the only one that I missed in in college basketball. But my cats did get the win, so I am not as upset about that as I probably would have been had they lost. Um, NBA is really where I struck out here. I went two for five in the NBA game. Uh, the Knicks let me down. The Pelicans let me down. Uh, the only team that came through was my lock, which was the Jazz at minus four over the Clippers. So at least my lock came through. I am 1-0 and on the year in my locks, so... We'll just try to keep that momentum going. And on my last bet was for the tennis match, I had taken Serena. Um, Naomi Osaka ended up winning that match, but also uh, going on to win the Australian Open as well. So want to give her her congratulations and say that she, you know, she played an outstanding match against Serena uh, once she settled in and uh, going on to complete that and, and, and complete the championship. So congrats to her. Uh, those are the picks from last week. I am hoping to fare much better uh, in the future, but at least we broke the ice and we got that rolling. Uh, so we'll jump into something else. All right, wanted to take a second here to explain a little bit about what's going to happen over the next few episodes. Um, some of you may know and some of you may not, but I am a big baseball fan. Um, just of the game in general, but also I'm a huge Cubs fan. Uh, love the game of baseball. And if you don't know, we're out, we're about a month and a half out from uh, MLB baseball starting back. And so for the next few episodes, what I'm going to do is uh, break down. There should be six episodes uh, coming in, and each of those will be basically a an insight into a specific division uh, in the MLB. And I'll break down all the teams. We'll speak a little bit about their um, their 2020 results as well as some of their offseason moves that they've made. Uh, we'll also talk about some of the projections and predictions that I have for those teams. Uh, and then I'll give you at least uh, I'll be able to provide my division winners, my two wild cards, um, and at least shape up the postseason for there. 
Uh, not going to give you – I'll probably give my World Series pick uh, and, and I guess, teams that would compete in that. Um, I'm not so sure about that now, but at least I got a week to work on it. So uh, that will be starting next episode after this one. Uh, it'll be a six-part series. I'm not sure how I'm going to release them just yet, uh, if there'll be one each week or if I'll double up some weeks. But those are coming. Uh, and also within that, that same recap, I'll, I'll definitely go back and at least talk about some of the rule changes for 2021. Uh, I know that they installed some pretty different rule changes last year, given that they were only playing a 60 game season, uh, and there were some COVID regulations as well. So we'll recap all of the, the rules as well so that we're all up to speed on those. And then we'll go into some of the picks and, and, uh, projections for the season, but, if you're an MLB fan or if you're just a fan of sports in general, these next six weeks should pre- be pretty interesting, and I'm excited to get that rolling, so uh, be on the lookout for that coming up. All right, and for our main segment today, I wanted to uh, break down the Cam Newton video. Um, I'm sure most of you have probably already seen it, uh, but I want to take a second to explain it. Basically, what's taking place in the video is uh, from the looks of it, and again, I want to say from the looks of it, because I was not there, uh, I do not know what happened uh, outside of what I can tell from off the, the video. So putting that out there now so that everybody's aware. But um, what it looks like is um, Cam Newton is coaching probably his uh, Cam Newton elite team that competes in seven-on-seven events, which is like a football passing camp that's just for skill position players. Uh, 707 is normally like uh, maybe one or two running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, and then you're playing against a defense. Um, Cam Newton and a lot of players and a lot of people have started to develop these um, AAU-style travel teams that will compete in a large amount of these 707 uh, competitions, tournaments, or whatnot. It's just another way to, to get some exposure for the kids, uh, compete against some different athletes, um, from from other states and from other regions uh, aside from yours, but um, it's it's very much like the AAU basketball circuit in my eyes. I think there's a lot of value of seeing the skills that that people possess outside of your, I guess your city, your town, your county, whatever you play in. Uh, it's nice to see what some of the other competition levels are outside of that. Uh, but at the end of the day as a football purist and somebody that likes the contact part of football, uh, it still is a very different game than uh, a full-fledged football contest. And and why I say that is because there's a lot of things that you get away with um, route-wise, catches-wise, going across the middle, things of that nature that you don't have to fear big hits or hands or people getting in your way and being physical with you. Uh, in the 7-on-7 game like you do in a normal football game. And so that the game's a little bit different, but uh, in hindsight, some of the things you get away with it are nice. So I do I do see some value for the 7-on-7 tournaments and competitions from that perspective. Now, Cam Newton has a team, like I mentioned before, but this team looks like they're competing, uh, and Cam is on the sideline coaching. And, and, and what you can tell from the video is there's a, a kid – uh, I'm not sure if he's on Cam's team or in Cam's organization or from another uh, team or, or I guess, you know, an attendee. I don't know where he fits into the piece of the puzzle, but he's on the sideline. 
And for lack of better purposes, he's basically telling Cam Newton he's trash and he's ass because Cam stunk it up this past year uh, and he's a free agent now. So you can hear the kid multiple times just being like, oh, your ass, your ass. That's why you're a free agent. Uh, what you can hear Cam Newton's response from there is, I'm rich, which he's not lying. He is very rich. Uh, but also, he says that a few times. And then finally, he says, um, where's your dad? And he and he repeats that phrase a few different times. And then finally ending with, where's your dad? Because I'm not going to argue with a kid. And so, video gets out. There's been a lot of takes on it. I will say from my initial response, um, I took this as Cam Newton obviously being a little flustered because he's coaching. He's, you know, he's on the sideline dedicating his time to probably his team. Um, and, you you know, you're getting a heckler or somebody directly behind your ear that, you know, is, is taking your concentration away from the people that you're you're intended to give it to. And so he's, he's definitely a little bit flustered and probably get, getting under his skin what the kid's saying. But uh, my initial reaction was Cam Newton's response was, where's your dad in the defense of you're too young for me to engage in an argument with you. Let me talk to somebody who is um, a little bit more my age, my speed that I can communicate with versus going back and forth with a kid. That's how I took it Um, after. And, and, and I will follow that with uh, Kim Newton had a post on IG later in the day uh, where he kind of explains the interactions. And he also broke that down as he was responding to the kid of where's your dad? Because he was like, I'm not going to go back and forth with a kid. I want to talk to somebody of parental status that we can have this discussion versus me having it with a kid. So it appears from his response and how I initially took the video that we were aligned. But after getting online, I did see some people who were projecting that camp could have been responding. Where's your dad as, as, as some sort of a, a disregard or a degrading comeback to the kid because uh, the kid uh, was black. And so people were saying that, oh, it could be from a, a position of trying to humiliate him because maybe his dad's not in the picture. I didn't take it that way. I don't necessarily think that it was projected or portrayed that way, but that's not to say that it couldn't be, of course, because, again, I was not there. I don't know the situation. I choose to believe and and I choose to approach this from the position of Cam wanting to speak with an adult versus a child uh, and so that's where I am basing the, my opinions on the video from again these are my opinions I was not there this is just my takeaway from it now with that being said the video kind of upset me and and the reason why is because um I see I see this a lot with kids nowadays, and this is not the first time um, somebody has, you know, not not just an athlete in general, but like especially with Cam Newton, this is at least the second time that I'm aware of that somebody has been chirping at him at one of these events. I believe the last time a kid was chirping at him about um, his performance in the Super Bowl and their team getting beat by the Broncos. And so now this is the the second iteration of this, and – I say that that it's not just because it can, because I see this a lot with kids in general today where they're trying to, you know, get get a ruse out of somebody or get someone riled up uh, and get them angry at them because it's funny. And 
and it happens every day on social media. Um, obviously, it happens in real life, and 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 at times, yeah, it's funny to see them get get them riled up. I mean, uh, if we just dial it back to just uh, very much earlier in the uh, or later last year, you could see like the whole TikTok scheme to purchase fake tickets so that the the campaign rallies for Trump would be much smaller than they had projected. So it happens on a daily basis in different forms of format. So um, it's not something new to us. But one thing and one reason why I say that it kind of irks me is because in this format, you're attending a seven on seven camp to what I would assume is get better and to showcase your talent. Okay. Um, if you're competing in this, then I would assume that you're somewhere between the the eighth grade to senior in high school, somewhere in there, that age range. And what you're trying to do is to compete against people who are, you know, in your talent level, uh, people that are competing to play the same sports, probably more than likely. And that's not to say that they can't do sport, but you're out there trying to establish yourself as an athlete for the goals that you intend to achieve later in life. If that's the case, there's no reason for you to even be going back and forth with a Cam Newton. There's no reason for that to even be on your mind or that for that to even be some sort of objective that you're trying to accomplish. What you're trying to do is go there, show out, showcase your talent, and put your name on a radar so that you can do things like go to a top-tier college, so that you can do things like become a top-tier athlete at that college and produce on the college level in a real football game so that you can eventually get to a position where you put yourself in position to be drafted and maybe achieve your dreams or the goals of playing in the NFL and then, you know, start to think of some of the other achievements that come along with that, that success. That's what you're trying to do. And you have someone who, regardless of how you feel about um, Cam Newton and his, his, I guess his achievements so far in life just because of football, regardless of how you feel about that, like the man plays and has played at a high level in the NFL, period. There's no debating about that. And this man's taking time out of his day to not only coach kids, but be around kids so that he can pass that knowledge down, that he could be, you know, some sort of tool or asset to these kids to talk to them about maybe missteps that he's had because he's, he's had plenty and he's very vocal about the ones that he's had. Maybe he could talk to you about the processes of trying to develop your game so that when you get to, you know, different levels of success through the football game, you've, you've got somebody on your side that can tell you things that they've encountered going through that process so that you're more prepared for it when you get there or on a base level, someone who just has a probably a little bit more knowledge than you surrounding the NFL game and willing to give that back to you. So you put all these things to perspective and, and for somebody on outside looking in, if, if I'm thinking about you as an athlete, if you can't recognize, you know, the opportunity that you've got in front of you with someone of that caliber uh, that you could be picking his brain and learning from, and you're taking it as a t- chance to, you know, go at them and haggle them. Like, th- that makes me question whether you really want to be a successful athlete or if you're just out here for the jokes. Um, and, and of course, there's there's space for both of those, and that's fine, but I think that those things exist in two totally different hemispheres. Like, you can't 
be out here for the jokes and that be your driving force of what you're getting accomplished this weekend and also trying to become the best player football-wise that you could be. I don't think those two things coexist. Um, And I think that stems from a culture where kids have been told, man, you're you're a hell of an athlete. You've got so much talent. And And that's probably true. These kids are uber talented, like way more talented than I was or our generation was coming into high school, out of high school, things of that nature. Just their their physical attributes, their talent, their speed, uh, the the amount of resources and information that they've got uh, that they can log into and, and find. Like They're just ahead of the game from where we were, and that's okay. But the thing is, like this kid, another kid, kid two states over like you're not the only one with talent um and i say that because you probably are hearing from a lot of people that are close to you or that live in your city or your town or your area that are probably saying you're a top tier athlete and they're probably right but you got to understand there's 49 other states we'll we'll shrink that because i don't know if they play football in alaska they might i don't know there's 48 other states outside of the one that they were competing in that day i know that they compete and play football in those states so there's probably a seven on seven elite passing camp in those states and there's probably you know multiple events going on every single weekend in those states And there's multiple teams going to those events every single weekend in those states. And there's multiple kids on every single team going to those events every single week. And all of those kids are hearing the same exact thing that you're hearing. So everybody's probably got some talent around you. So talent, I'm telling you, regardless if you're trying to play Division One, Division Two. Division three, if you're trying to go to the NFL, talent's not going to be the overall separator between you and another person. It's just not going to happen because there's going to become a time where everybody's going to have enough talent to be good. The things that come from that are, you know, are you coachable? Are, are you here to learn? Are you here to grow your knowledge in the sport? Are you dedicated? Are you, you know, a team player? Are you willing to sacrifice for the people around you? Those are going to be the things that differentiate the people who make it and the people that don't. It's not going to be talent. It's rarely ever talent. And so these are the opportunities that you should be taking advantage of. When I'm only about 10 to 12 years removed for the game. When we were coming out of high school, we did not have these camps. You might have had four or five Nike Spark camps a year. That's it. You didn't have all these other elaborate places where you could go and be seen by maybe some scouts, maybe some other talented people who have access to scouts. You didn't have these things. And so you just had to make it on talent or, or athleticism or, you know, showcasing that in your school year alone. You didn't have these out, outside um, type of opportunities. And so now that you have that, you've got to utilize that so that you can grow and become the player that you want to be. Um, and I say that, that you want to be because you're poking at a player who, or you're poking at a guy who's who's there. Like he's done things that a lot of us are not going to accomplish in our life. And I say a lot of us, I mean like 99.8% of the world is not going to accomplish in their life. And that might be underselling it. And and why I say that is, let's go back and look at his 
accolades up until this point just now. In high school, Cam Newton was a five-star prospect, according to Rivals in 24-7. He was the number two dual-threat quarterback behind Tyrod Taylor. Something I learned today. I did not know Tyrod Taylor was the number one dual-threat prospect coming out that year. But Cam Newton was number two. You might say, hey, Cam Newton's better than Tyrod Taylor, and that's probably true. However, Tyrod Taylor, up until this year, was starting in the league. So he still became became a phenomenal athlete, a phenomenal football player, and has built out a career in this game. All right? So, again, Cam, number two dual-threat quarterback coming out behind Tyrod Taylor. He was also the number two prospect in the state of Georgia coming out. Behind number one, that's Eric Berry. Eric Berry, again, uh, an all-pro an all football player in the NFL, an All-American at Tennessee. He was a uh, pro bowler many of times in, in the NFL and probably would be rated as one of the best safeties to play the game. And and in my opinion, is is still there, but uh, had his had – his, his career cut a little bit short due to some health complications, but had that not been the case, he would definitely be one of the best all-time safeties to play the game. And I don't think that's up for debate, honestly. So that's the player that Cam Newton's behind coming out of Georgia. So number two dual threat, number two uh, in the st- number two recruit in the state of Georgia. He was the number twenty-six prospect overall nationally. Uh, the top five that year, number one, RIP, Joe McKnight, running back that went to USC. He was the number one commit. Jimmy Clausen was number two. Eric Berry, here again, was number three prospect nationally. Marvin Austin was number four. He went to UNC. And then Ryan Mallett was number five, who originally committed to Michigan, but uh, ended up playing at Arkansas. So those are your top five. That's nothing to snuff at. All five of those people uh, eventually made their way to play in the league. All five of them would trade probably probably all five, and I'd say that including Eric Berry because he played safety, can't play quarterback. They probably all five trade uh, the accolades that they've received for the list that Cam Newton has. That's just for high school. If you're the number two player uh, at your position and you're the number two player in your state, and you're the number 26 player overall in the nation that year, that's that's an achievement that rarely uh, people could talk about of achieving, all right? So we're already shortening up that list. Cam, Cam ends up committing to Florida. Some things happen. Uh, he gets in trouble, ends up going to the JUCO route. Cool. Goes to JUCO route. Gets to JUCO, 2009 National Championship national championship winner at his junior college. He's also a JUCO All-American honorable mention, and he's also the number one quarterback available JUCO or high school recruit coming out once he's finished his time at uh, the junior college at at Blinn College or Blinn University uh, JUCO. So we're only through high school and junior college. Cam gets to college for the second time. He goes to the University of Auburn. All he does there is become undefeated national champion. He wins the Heisman, wins the Maxwell Award, wins the Walter Camp, wins the Davey O'Brien Award. He's AP College Player of the Year. He's Sporting News 
uh, player of the year. He's a consensus All-American. He's first-team All-SEC, and he's the SEC Offensive Player of the Year. That's in one year. Not over the course of his career at Division One. That's one season in college. Shrinking the list even further. Get to the NFL. Number one overall pick in the draft. That list, that point period, shrinks the list to almost 100 people. Maybe can say those things. A national championship winner and a Heisman Trophy, or excuse me, a national championship winner, a Heisman Trophy winner, and then the number one draft pick in the draft. That shrinks that list to probably 99.5% of things people will never, ever accomplish in their life. Going forward, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Pepsi Offensive Rookie of the Year. The PFWA All-Rookie Team. He's a three-time Pro Bowler, one of which those years was his rookie year. He also made it in 2013 and 2015. He was first-team All-Pro in 2015. He was the NFL Offensive Player of the Year in 2015. He was the NFL MVP in 2015. Uh, and he also won the Burt Bell Award in 2015, which is given to the NFL Player of the Year. That's just his NFL accolades. Let's now talk about his records in the NFL. Most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback with 70. Most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in a season with 14. Most career carries by a quarterback with 1,071. He's number two all-time on the career rushing yard list as a quarterback. Number one is Mike Vick with 6,109 yards rushing. Cam's number two with 5,398 yards rushing. And then Randall Cunningham, number three, with 4,928 yards rushing. That's all just, just running and accolades that he's been given in NFL time. And I know people are going to poke at it and say, well, yeah, he could always run. That's not the problem. What about his throwing? Glad you asked. Cam Newton's career QBR or quarterback rating, for those that don't know, is 85.8. That's good enough for 41st all time in QBR ratings. For all quarterbacks, all time, he's 41st. All right. He's ahead of Donovan McNabb. He's ahead of Jim Kelly. He's ahead of Eli Manning. He's ahead of Steve McNair. He's ahead of Troy Aikman. And he's ahead of John Elway at 85.8% QBR rating. If he was to grow that by 1%, just one, if he was able to grow that to 86.8, we don't know because, you know, he may be done playing quarterback. Who knows? Uh, I think that he might get a, another shot in the NFL, and you know, hopefully in a better situation, he would be able to to grow this. But let's just say objectively, 1%, he increases this. He'd end up passing Brett Favre and also Dan Marino. So you could talk about like his inability to throw the ball and, and how that wasn't a strong suit of his. And, and, you know, I'd agree. He was always much more of a threat because he could run versus throwing. But the stats don't lie. Like, he could get it done throughout the air as well. And so, when you're nitpicking at, 
you know, what he hasn't done. Let's take a second to appreciate the things that he has done. Um, and I list all of those so that I can go back and say, if that's considered trash, if that's considered ass, if that's considered uh, weak and and you're a free agent with these accolades, yeah, uh, sign me up for that. If that's, if that's what it is in the streets, like, I want that. Give me double heppings of that. Because what I see is someone who's been playing the game for about 15 years and has been the top guy in every league that he's played in throughout his career at one point or another. And not many people, if any, can say that they've done that. And especially not the kid chirping at him at that time. So if you're going to call him out and you're going to talk shit about him and you know, you're going to call him ass and trash and, and laugh at him because he's a free agent. You got a lot to do to, to shrink the space and to become better than Cam Newton. So I want to see it. Like, let's follow him. Like, let's see that he achieves these things. And if he does, good for him because he's growing the game and he can back up the stuff he's talking about. But if not, maybe take a slice of humble pie. You know, get to know the things that 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 make these players great that the time that they've invested into the game appreciate that and appreciate that he's taking time out of his day away from his kids away from his job which is to get back in the league and become a quarterback to come out here and help you and these other kids in this event appreciate that learn from that grow from that and become better because if you get better, the game gets better. And then you can come back and take time out of your day, take time away from your children, take time out of your training to help out other kids in your situation. That's my take on it. I got one more thing for y'all. Hit it, Drake. Top five, no debating. Top five, top five, top five. All right. So main segment was about Cam Newton. Felt like it. It was only right that we at least look at uh, some career plays from Cam Newton. And let's break those down for my top five favorites. Number five. Um, I'm sure we've all seen this before, but this is the game. Um, it's Carolina versus Green Bay. Carolina's inside their 10 or whatnot. Uh, and they break the huddle. Cam's at quarterback, obviously. Christian McCaffrey lined up to his right. And Clay Matthews stands up and just, like, barks out, hey, watch for the wheel route. Because apparently Clay's done a, an enormous amount of film study and knows that the wheel route's coming in this scenario. And so Cam stops uh, giving his cadence, points at Clay Matthews, and he's like, oh, you've been watching film? I like that. Watch this. They run the route, and, and Christian McCaffrey ends up running the V route, which looks like the wheel route coming out the backfield, but he breaks it back into the middle of the field, standing wide open, drops a touchdown, scores. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons why that's one of my favorite plays and it makes that top five is because you get to see the, the maturation of Cam growing into a quarterback and, and thinking through the process of the game and, and you know, yeah, he's aware that everybody's watching film, but he's also, you know, a couple steps ahead of everybody at that point in time in his game that they could put something on paper and put a plan into place so that when they got into that area again, they could expose teams overplaying, you know, plays that they've run in the past. So that's number five on the list. Number four, 
which is another one of my favorites. Uh, Cam's running the ball into the end zone against the Falcons. Again, like home state team. He's probably got a little bit more juice playing against them, but uh, he gets he gets hit around the two or so, and it's just him one-on-one with a DB, and Cam just holding the ball with negative ball security. It's not even close to trying to protect his ball. He's just got it palmed in one hand, but he just dunks it on the DB's head for the touchdown because DB's standing in the end zone, and you've just got to break the, uh, the, the plane to score. And so he just basically one hand dunks it on the DB, doesn't lose the ball during this, and scores, and it just goes to show you like how big, how strong he is playing this game of football as a quarterback, and how unfair it was when completely healthy, he could just take over a game whenever he wanted to. So that's number four. Number three is another one. This one's against the Houston Texans, and um, again, the the Panthers are inside the five going in to score, but. They run like a little uh, a QB run, a designed run, and Cam's running into the end zone, and it's a nickel or a safety or whoever is coming down, and he's probably going to meet Cam right at about the, uh, the end zone line. If Cam drops his shoulder, he probably runs this guy over and scores. Um, just, just on sheer physics alone, I don't think he's going to stop Cam from getting into the end zone. But in only Cam fashion, he <laughs> dives over the guy, uh, barely gets his foot clipped, but kind of like somersaults over him, lands in the end zone, touchdown, and then he goes gives the ball to a kid because only Cam could do that. And so that's definitely play number three and and definitely one of my favorites. Number two, this is number two only because there could only be one play better, but number two is actually, uh, I think it was either the second or third game uh, for Cam when he's at Auburn and they're playing South Carolina at home. Uh, Cam breaks one down the sideline and this man dove from like the six yard line and lands a yard or two deep in the end zone. And this is what actually sparks the super cam nickname from that play. And still like this understanding that he's six, six damn near two fifty, And he just floats through the air when he, tries to take off and dive he didn't necessarily have to dive but it looks good when he does it (laughs) so um the cam newton dive on south carolina is definitely number two on this list uh which saves room for only one other play and it's got to be number one uh number one on this list is cam's run against lsu um where he scores when he's at auburn and the reason why this one's number one is for a number of reasons one um it's about a 40-something yard run, impressive on its own. Um, it's against LSU, where if you're looking at this play, uh, more, uh, more, Morris Claiborne is on the defense. Patrick Pat, or, yeah, Patrick Peterson's on the defense. Uh, Tyron Matthews on the defense. Um, I think Eric Reed's on that defense. Like, There's just a number of high-caliber NFL players, NFL pro bowlers, just – outstanding ball players on that defense that Cam is one-on-one or one-on-eleven basically and just absolutely destroying him. He he cut he shows some some of his just agility where he cuts. Uh, he stays on his feet, cuts back again, puts his hand down, 
Then he shows some of explosiveness as he just accelerates past Patrick Peterson to score. And I just think it's it just goes to encapsulate the type of athlete that Cam Newton was and, and just shows his greatness um, on the field, especially when he was at Auburn. Because unless you're my good friend Sam Grayson, you cannot name more than five players on that Auburn team. And I'm going to give you three. Cam Newton, Lutz and Kirkin, and... Michael Davis. I gave you three, and I didn't give you Nick Fairley, so that's four. And you still couldn't name five on that team unless you're Sam Grayson or unless you got a family member that was on that team. So uh, it just goes to show you how much he carried that team, how much of an integral piece he was for that team, and how incredible of a ball player he was. Um, and so to end the show, I'm actually going to play the clip uh, from the CBS, te- CBS team uh, as they call that touchdown run, I just want you to hear just how impressive it sounds. And that'll be it for the week. We'll catch you next week with the uh, MLB recap and, and, and rollout. And we'll see you guys then. Signals, headsets, they got everything. Newton, up the middle. No, I'm sorry, he goes right. Still loose. Oh, did he accelerate? How about oh, my that? goodness. Touchdown, Auburn. A young man who is fulfilling his athletic potential.